this is the Godliness with Contentment podcast. We are here to have a conversation about how to win with money from the Bible's perspective. To stay out of legal trouble, I must say that the contents of this podcast are informational in nature. If you need professional advice, please consult your lawyer, financial advisor, or accountant. This is Godliness with Contentment, episode 3. Well, a special shout out to country music star Toby Keith. I got the title of this uh, podcast from his hit, I Want to Talk About Me. I understand that Toby is currently receiving cancer treatment, so my thoughts and prayers are with him today. And today, I want to talk about we and how to handle money in marriage. An article from one of my Local uh, dailies in August 2020 read, Prominent attorneys revealed a tremendous increase in divorce cases coming before them following the end of the first COVID-19 nationwide lockdown. In response to this, one reader wrote, Dear Mr. COVID-19, you just won't stop. Now you are presumably the cause of an increase in divorces. One thing that's certain, you are causing the truth to come to light and make everyone in any and all circumstances take note of themselves, their lives, their surroundings, their futures, be it economical, love, hate, spiritual, financial, in leadership, and so on and on. Two things the reader said was that COVID-19 brought to light economical and financial realities. As people discover more and more about themselves, one of the things that comes to light is that money stresses and conflicts cause many divorces. But even before the pandemic, money stresses and conflicts resulted in one of the top reasons, if not the top reason, for divorces. Today, we talk about how to patiently deal with your spouse as it relates to to money. Our scripture for the day is taken from Genesis 2, uh, verse 18, and then we'll read 21 to 25. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And then uh, 21 to 25. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. So a couple of, uh, a few quick things we can get from the passage, God says that it is not good for a man to be alone. Thus, he made a suitable helper for man. Once the suitable helper is found, the plan is to do what is outlined here. The man is to leave his parents and join to his wife, and the two become one flesh, a unit. Everything was in the open, and there was no shame. This is how it was at the beginning, and this is God's intention for us as marrieds, to become one. No shame, working together, sticking together, 
till death do us part. God set it up and we need to shoot for it in our marriages. A Kansas State University study in 2013 looked at 4,500 couples and found that arguments about money was by far the top predictor of divorce. So when we talk about money in marriage, we are actually tackling one of the biggest reasons for divorce. But God intended for man and wife to stay together even through money arguments, money stresses. So let's start with this question. How does two become one and stay one as it relates to money? Well, I think firstly, we need to get on the same page. As a married couple, you are a team, you are a unit. You are not roommates, you're married. I remember listening to another podcast about maybe about a year and a half ago, and a wife mentioned that when it is time for the mortgage to be paid, the husband asks her for her half. <laughs> I know you may be saying at least the mortgage is still going to be paid, but the truth is they're not working together as a unit, but two separate halves. And one of the things that we know, which is unfortunate, is that money can separate. But when we become married, we should not continue to think as single people, right? We're not roommates. We need to think about coming together, not remaining separate. My half, your half, my money, your money, my debt, your debt. No. I believe that we did not marry to be separate, nor was that God's plan, right? In fact, we are Stronger together. That's the way it's supposed to be, not weaker together. Remember, two are better than one. Secondly, we need to understand, like I just said, two are better than one. This is even true when there is debt, right, that you bring into the marriage. Now, clearly, this is something to talk about before getting married, right? Before getting married, this is one of the things that that uh, my wife and I spoke about, which was what? How much do you make? How much do you owe? We had intended to combine our finances, right? That is income and debt. So now her debt became our debt. My income became our income, right? Everything was combined. And I know that today that is... That may sound scary for many people listening to this podcast. and But hopefully, at the end of it, you can kind of evaluate where you are and decide, are we going to do that? But I'm going to share some things that will kind of help you to make that decision. A married couple needs to learn a little bit of French. In fact, one French word, that's the French word for Yes. It is pronounced we. It is no longer your debt and my income. It is we. Together, we have a bigger shovel to pay off debt and to save, etc. So here's the warning. Combined finances work 
when each spouse is committed to the two becoming one. So when doesn't it work? Well, it doesn't work when there is ongoing infidelity, gambling, right? Addiction. Of course, gambling can be an addiction. Other addictions like uh, drugs, alcohol, or even perhaps abusive situations. So if any of these things are going on, then combining your finances is not going to work. And so before combining, what's even more important is that marriage counseling takes place and a lot of hard work gets put in. But now let's go through some of the practical aspects of talking about we and money and if you go down that road of combining your finances if they're not combined already. Well, you want to share account details, right? That's bank balances, right? Of course, we talked about debts, how much, um, how long, when they're going to be paid off, that kind of thing. We also want to decide which accounts to close and which ones to keep open, right? And set aside a time to go into the bank or banks and make this happen, right? Where all accounts have both couples on them, right? Whereas, where there's any to sign, okay? Not both to sign, but any to sign. You, you're married to this person and you're one and you trust that person. Again, if there's some strange things going on in a marriage, you need to get help first. But once those are resolved, then you can come back to this place. But how do we work together? Here are some things I believe that are necessary. Humility. This comes from seeing ourselves as we are with all our weaknesses and strengths and not comparing ourselves to the other or even other people. Gentleness, right? Being considerate. We also need patience, right? Putting up with the other person, right? Our, our spouse, even when we are severely tried. And we need to bear with one another in love. No matter what the other does to us, we want nothing but their highest good. Difficult, yeah, I know. What does it mean? Even when we are insulted and offended, we extend kindness. This is about making the decision and not about the emotion that we feel. Okay, we bear with one another in love. But sometimes when we're talking about money in marriage, there's some things that come up, right? Can be anger, impatience, arrogance. And where do these things come from is the question. Well, I believe a couple of places. These things can come from the fact that one, our money doctrine is different, right? When I talk about money doctrine, it's about, for example, how did you grow up with money, right? What do you believe about money? I think about me, didn't have much money growing up, right? And so that even shapes um, who I am today, right? So um, I am more of a saver than a spender. And I believe a big part of it is because I didn't grow up with much money. And at the time, it wasn't that I needed much money, but I remember there were times when, you know, um, I looked around and 
I saw others, I compared myself to others, right? And then it became an issue. But when there was no comparison, I was fine. I was happy uh, as a youngster growing up. Um, I knew my mother worked hard. And somehow, between her and God, the money really stretched pretty far. But when I started to look around and I saw others with, with games, right, those, those electronics, and I'm like, well, I can't have one. My mother can't afford to buy me one. Then there started to be a problem. But that also shaped how I deal with money, how I look at money, and even now that I'm married. So your money doctrine can be different. And in most cases, it is different, right? Where you come from, how you grew up, um, how you look at money, right? What is money good for to you, right? To me, it's good for saving, right? To my wife, it's good for spending, okay? Um, and then sometimes we come into the marriage with a single mindset, like I talked about before, where it's my money, right? You work on your job, that's your money. I work on my job, that's my money. That can cause big issues, right? And then we need to be, um, we need to be considerate when saving or spending. Yes, I am more of a saver, but I need to be considerate that there are things that we need to use the money to spend on without trying to save all. And my wife, she needs to be considerate that when she's spending, okay, we have some goals in mind. We need to save and not just spend, okay? And of course, all of these things can cause issues if we don't deal with them, right? And then I guess the last thing I'd point out here is that there are times when one of the parties in the relationship can feel not listened to or they can feel taken advantage of. You know, for example, because I'm a saver, I just want to save, save, save. And I may not want to hear the fact that we need to purchase, you know, some new shoes for the kids or um, this expensive book for school. And yeah, the, the books are becoming more expensive. But I need to make sure that I'm listening to the needs and not just doing what I want to do. Okay, so that's important. But what do we need to do in order to have better money conversations with our spouse so we're not dealing with the anger and impatience and the arrogance and all that stuff, right? How do we overcome all that? Well, we need to pray about our finances. Pray before talking about our finances. I think that's, that's extremely important. We need to pray about it, right? That God is there as we talk about this and that the best comes out of it, okay? And we need to talk about finances regularly. Now, why am I saying this? Well, I think when we talk about it often, it, it makes it not touchy anymore, right? It's not a touchy subject because we're talking about it often, right? Perhaps having monthly or quarterly uh, budget meetings or, you know, finance dates, right, with your spouse, I think we need to come up with a uh, shared dream or vision, right? Something that you're working towards together can help those money conversations. You want to develop trust, right? And one way I think that we can develop trust is by creating in the budget line items for the money for 
you know, this is what Keno's going to spend, right? And he doesn't have to tell me what he's spending that on, right? And then this is what Pam, my wife, this is what she's going to spend. And she doesn't have to tell me what she's spending that on either. So there's a line in the budget for that money that we can spend without any issues, right? So, of course, you have to work that out and figure out how much is that. You know, is that $100 a month? Is that $200 a month? It depends on your budget, obviously. But that's how you develop trust. And you allow the other spouse to spend some discretionary funds without having to account for it, right? It's already dealt with beforehand in the budget. And I think one of the other things is you want to be open and agree about how much you give and who you lend to. This is one thing that can cause problems in the marriage relationship, right? Agree about giving. My wife, she, she's a giver, right? She's much more of a giver than I am. But if she's going to give a few hundred dollars, I, I, I want to know. And not just know, but we need to agree upon it, right? And when it comes to lending money, um, sometimes I can, either of us really, can be the ones who want to lend to help people out. But there's certain things that I have in mind when it comes to lending, right? Because um, it's one thing to give money, but then something else to lend. Sometimes it's just easier to give, right? Because you don't think about anything, you give it and, and that's it. But when you're lending money, you need to know when is the person going to repay me, right? And is it going to be one week? Is it going to be two weeks? And there's an expectation. But then also making sure that we agree upon this lending of money because obviously it's going to affect both of us. It's going to affect the budget. It's going to affect what we can save that month, what we can give that month, etc. And so that's important. Be open and agree about Giving and lending money. So back to something I said earlier. Two shovels are better than one. Now sometimes the husband's shovel is bigger than the wife's and sometimes the wife's shovel is bigger than the husband's. Together, the unified shovel is always bigger. Right? There's no need to fight over whose individual shovel is bigger. And I say that knowing that sometimes it isn't really a fight, but sometimes in our minds we, we're concerned, especially as men, right? We think we want our shovel to be bigger than our wives' shovel. Perhaps it makes us feel better as, as men. I know very early in our relationship, my wife was making you know, quite a bit more than I was, I think. Almost like, almost like twice what I was when we first got married. Now, over the years, it's changed. But I was actually happy that her shovel was bigger than my shovel because together, the shovel was bigger. And that's how I looked at it. Right? We're, we're one. We're not two. We're one. But also, and this goes into a slightly different topic, but still related. God has given each of us individually the ability to reduce wealth, right? So on an individual basis for the, for the husband, for the wife, are you fully tapping into that ability? That ability that God has given you to produce wealth. I believe that when you do tap into it, 
then you get a bigger shovel because you're doing what God has given you the gifts to do and you become more productive and you're paid more or your business does a whole lot better. But as we get to that point of figuring that on out, right, we need to be patient with each other. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, doing anything crazy and I'm not saying we need to be irresponsible, right? Work your day job until you get the dream job, right? This was something I have to preach to myself. But be patient with your spouse and supportive while they figure this on out. So, when you next talk to your spouse about money, ask them these two questions. What are your long-term financial goals? When you ask that and when it's answered, you get to hear their mindset and you see if it lines up with yours, right? And you guys can have a joint financial goal. And of course, you share yours as well, right? And then secondly, what is one thing you want us to do differently with money? So these questions are to stimulate the conversation, right? And it is to help the husband and the wife get on the same page and have the same goals or combined goals, really, right? as they go towards winning with money. And again, we know money can cause plenty issues in marriages. And so we need to we need to tackle it, but we tackle it through conversations, we tackle it through knowing um, what each of us thinks about money, how we deal with money, and you probably know it already, but sometimes it's just good to, to hear it from the other person. And let them tell you their money story, right? If you didn't get to talk about it before you guys got married or married or up to this point, let them talk to you about their money story, right? How was it growing up? Did they have money? They didn't have money, right? They came from middle class or poverty or there was a silver spoon. All of that plays into who they are now. So that's a great conversation to have. So at this point, guys, This is all I have for you today. I hope you join me for my next episode along with your friends and family. Please let others know how to find it, right, this podcast, and get the help they need as well. This is Kino Hanna signing off. Check you later.